Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, how you doing? Traveling this week, you managed to get on a flight successfully, which is probably better than about 75% of the country. Yeah, uh, I don't know what is going on with Southwest, bud, but apparently they're having a hard time finding crews and they canceled a bunch of flights. So we stood in the terminal um, in Dallas for a Southwest flight for four hours, like right at the gate. Which is always fun with a baby. Yeah. 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 With a baby. And the entire uh, crew was there waiting, but apparently they have to call Southwest and get approved. And the the phone lines are backed up. So like while everybody was there ready to work, um, they weren't approved to do it. So they were sitting there uh, waiting to get through on a phone line. And I felt like in 2022, there's got to be a more effective way to do this. And I'm assuming that they will after this. Um, but with a baby, it was kind of tough. So um, as someone who, Phoenix, who gets frustrated with customer service issues, I'm sure you handled this well. Yeah, I did my best to to have some growth as a man. Um, okay, good. And I didn't have any meltdowns or whatever, but then I lost my phone on oh. the flight. Uh, it's probably in Sheboygan, Wisconsin now. Uh, so, you know, we're all just doing the best that we can to hang on through the new year. I know that you're not feeling well. You drove to Michigan. Uh, a lot happening in recruiting and and more in our lives. So yeah. let's okay. just we'll, uh, we'll, we'll power through. What do you think was, people are more interested in? Um, probably you losing your phone than maybe. Okay, let's see. You losing your phone or Cormani McLean not signing, which when we recorded last Wednesday night with Andy Staples, we knew he wasn't going to sign. There's really no new developments. Uh, he's flirting with Colorado. Didn't sign that we know of, so he will sign in February. I guess it's February 1st. I haven't looked at the calendar yet, the exact date there. But I mean, the, might- the noteworthy thing is that he made it through the early signing period and now can't sign right until February. So that opens the door and gives uh, Deion Sanders a little bit of runway here to see if he can pull off another Travis Hunter. Right. Like, let, me, let me butt in because there have been times recently where guys have signed early and just not announced it, like waiting for one of the All-America games or something like that. Right. And this is not, yes. as far as we understand, this is not one of those cases. Right. So, you know, I know Deion Sanders has picked up a few commitments um, in the time since we recorded last week. God, it feels like a year ago, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I, I've got a whole Colorado sub subset. Or, you know, bullet all right. Why don't you just get into that now then? If you okay, have I, I want to ask you, we'll, we'll, we'll get... We'll get there's you know plenty of news we're going to get to, but we we've talked a lot about Deion Sanders in this podcast. We have written a lot as a staff, and I can tell you based on the numbers and the clicks and all that stuff, people are very interested in Deion Sanders in Colorado. I am fascinated. I cannot wait to watch this unfold. I think he'll do well. Um, I think it will be a struggle next year. But which coach? I can't think of a coach who's had a debut that I'm as interested and fascinated in watching. I, jo- I jotted some down recently. Jimbo Fisher at A&M, just because the, you know hired a national championship coach, and we think a and is one of those programs that can win it all, despite what's happened recently. Mm-hmm. Mac Brown going back to North Carolina was, was fascinating, not, not to this range. Nick Saban, obviously, Alabama, 2009. But oh, Nick so Saban, you're saying first-year coaches of all time. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe this century. Nick Saban in 2009 was a national championship coach, but he's not Nick Saban that he is today. Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, I'll put in that mix. Not just first-year, just how their tenure is going to unfold. I'd put Dion at, above all of those guys as far as Well, the reason why you feel that way, Mitch, and I don't want to speak for you, but I think, I think it is, one, he's at a program that hasn't been successful for 30 years. On a, on a grand scale, right. he's at a place that as recruiting has uh, evolved, it's harder and harder to recruit to. And I get it. It's beautiful. It has mountains. We know. But it's the hard place to recruit to, which the numbers would show. Um, and I think you're more fascinated by can somebody with a larger than life personality who isn't right. a seasoned veteran coach who has won elsewhere 
flip the entire sport on its heels by doing it the unorthodox way, which I think is inherently compelling television. You know what I mean? So that, that to me, and the fact of the matter is, is that he's Dion. Um, and I don't know how much it matters that he was a great player for you in the past. doesn't really do much for me. Um, other than can he do things in a way that have never been done before? So I would agree with you. I, I am very fascinated by a lot of the coaches that took over in the first cycle. Cause like, I think Lincoln Riley's up there with some of the ones yeah. you just listed. And that was last year. You yeah. know, I think, um, you know, Brian Kelly going to LSU was up there. I think Marcus Freeman, I think like last year's cycle, which we have to put a, a bow on, uh, and we will at the end of the week, um, <coughs> is about as fascinating of a coaching carousel recruiting adjustment cycle as there's been in recent memory. So, right. you know, I think that maybe most exciting is, is an interesting way to put it. And I don't know if everybody agrees with you on that, but I think maybe most compelling for yeah, sure I, in the I'm Deion just, Sanders era. Like, I'm sure their games, they'll get some great coverage. You know, I'm, I don't think that I don't think any of the TV deals are changing for next next week, but like I can see a a Colorado game on a Saturday night on ABC, and 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 we we're running Manny Navarro's got a story running on Thursday where he kind of takes a look at the Colorado roster with the additions and where it is, and he talked to some Pac-12 coaches, assistant coaches, got their anonymous thoughts on the team. It's kind of what we've said; they've got a long way to go. But one of the coaches was like, hey, you know, he's proven he's a good talent evaluator. Like the transfers they brought in and the kids they signed at Jackson State are really good. But and he's got a really good staff. And this coach was kind of saying, let's just see him in game when the bullets start flying tough decisions, because it's not like it was at Jackson State where he had a talent advantage over everybody. So it's it's the roster building that we talk a lot about, but it's also the execution on game day. Uh, but, you know, the guy clearly can coach. He, he two very successful seasons at Jackson State. Yeah, I actually... I don't know if I'm, an, I'm alone in this, and I think people don't like me sometimes because of this, but I am not so compelled about how he's going to look on game day. I'm compelled about whether or not he's going to be able to put a roster together that has the same talent advantage he had at Jackson State in the Pac-12 against 80% of the teams in the conference. Like, is he going to be able to flip? It's like a, a buying a house that that is completely messed up inside. Um, is he going to be able to make the house beautiful on the inside and flip it for more money? Like that to me is is interesting. So okay, so so let's say four years. Like, from I mean, because his offensive coordinator Sean Lewis, right. like I have no no doubt in my mind that they're going to have a functional looking offense. And like another thing too, I saw this on Twitter um, on my wife's phone because I can't help myself, uh, but from looking, but somebody tweeted out one of the major sports uh, news sources. I don't know, it was like CBS or something. Tweeted out that Shador Sanders. Um, is the favorite to win the Heisman next year, which I think I would pick 50 other people ahead of him. That's absurd right now. But like, how good is he, you know, that to me is, is more fascinating than will they like, what do you think it's going to look like a clown show? Like uh, it's going to look like football. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what do people think it would like, what's the worst it could look like from a coaching standpoint? Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's going to, I just, this year's Denver Broncos. Yeah. Maybe same state. I'm just, I'm fascinated by the whole process. I see what you're saying, the roster building, how with the with the talent. Because so, I think if he can do that, Mitch, the secondary stuff like that is going to be easy for him. Yeah. Let's okay. We're going to go into his class and some of the additions. I want to ask one more question, and this is an unanswerable question, but we, we type in, we talk in hypotheticals on this podcast. Four years from now, he's still at Colorado. The league is what we think it will be. It's the league as it is now without USC and UCLA. Where where's the Colorado's team talent composite going to rank within the Pac-12 Ooh. in four years? In the in the Pac-12? Yeah. Four. I was going to say three or four. Th- three, maybe. Yeah. Oh, well, without USC or UCLA? Uh, I think I actually could say two. Yeah. Right now, there's, you know, I think we, we're comfortable They're not going to out Oregon, Oregon, I don't think. Right. It depends Washington if they can get it rolling, if they have another good year and they can get it rolling. I mean, um, it is not unconceivable that they could be one. It depends, and, and now, you know, I'm trying to think. No, it doesn't make sense. I was going to think if we're talking two or three years, they're still going to have a lot of those, you know, three star, low end three stars still in the roster. But okay, let, let's. Well, you don't know that. You don't yeah, know that, right? True. True. He might, okay. He might push transfers out. Like the thing about it is, go ahead, because yeah. your bullet points are going to make the point that I was just going to make. But okay. 24, he's already off to a good start. Yeah. So okay, he he got a commitment from Casey Witt Weissman um, the other day, uh, quarterback from Douglasville, Georgia, ranked number one four two five, flipped from Kansas. So Colorado actually has two quarterbacks in this class now, two true freshmen. You know, we all think Shador Sanders will be the starter next year. But Ryan Staub, who is one of the few holdovers from the Carl Durrell commitments. So what Weissman and Staub are there, 
Here are the two big commitments you've got in the past week. Omarion Miller, wide receiver, number 245 from Louisiana, decommitted from Nebraska in early December. And then Adam Hopkins, wide receiver from two, number 256 from Georgia, decommitted from Auburn in early December. So here's an interesting with they've got three four star high school signees adding Dylan Edwards. It's it's Edwards, Miller, and Hopkins, all skill guys. So yep. that's that's and real. their number one issue is line guys, right? Right, right. So okay. So their their composite rank right now is number forty three, the recruiting class. Their overall, which includes transfers, this is just class of twenty twenty three, is number twenty two. So obviously he's already made a big push there. Uh got Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter as transfers. As he also got Jimmy Horn Jr. too, yeah, who was yeah. one of the guys that we had circled a few years ago as one of the one of the gems and underrated players in that class, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, um, highest high school offensive lineman they've signed so far in the twenty three class was interior offensive lineman Hank Zelinkis, number one seven one four from Inglewood, Colorado. Um, so again, need to need to build that offensive line. Yeah, class of twenty twenty four, they got a high end three star today. Defensive lineman Eric Brantley from Valdosta, Georgia. He's number 395. He's the third commit for 24. Omar White, also Brantley's teammate at Valdosta. How would you like to be an offensive lineman playing Valdosta next year or this year? And they've got two top one, top 400 national defensive linemen. That's probably a pretty tough, uh, tough. Yeah, tough and for both set. of them to go to, to Colorado. Yeah. And, and uh, Georgia's well, got some some high, some great high school football, so that that's a pretty exciting thing. But like a fringe top 100 defensive lineman off out of the gate too, I think is probably the most encouraging commitment yes. that he's had. Right, no doubt. And then they got a wide receiver, Dejon Calamon from California, number six hundred nine. So there's a lot of names, numbers, and all that stuff. Um, so when you factor in the transfer in that ranking, what I say was number twenty two. I think that's uh, uh, so far. Obviously, that you throw Carmody Carmody McLean in there potentially that the number two player in the class that bumps up the number a lot too, and they'll do some more work in the portal. And if you put McLean in the fall and Travis Hunter on the same same defense, like that's a pretty nasty one two punch at corner. So, uh, yeah, that's a yeah. I think he's got some. He's got the right start. You know, I think this is exactly about where I would have expected Mitch. Like things would have gone right. Like impressive but not blows your mind but not terrible you know like he's kind of right in that sweet spot of making moves getting transfers in there getting commitments in the future uh, while also shoring up the roster for next year and you know the the truth is is that we're going to learn a lot about Deion Sanders and his new staff from an evaluation standpoint because a lot of these I see four offensive line transfers coming under the team next year. And it's like, how many of these guys are going to be good? Is this Savion Washington guy who tra- who transferred from Kent, who has a uh, direct link with Sean Lewis, his former head coach at Kent going to be really good at the power five level. Um, you know, is this uh interior yeah, offensive lineman, yeah. Tyler Brown from Jackson state, like, can he tran- transition from SCS to power five? Like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of evaluation pieces to this that aren't the sexy, uh, you know, commitment, you know, skill position players that you're going to get in the two, four, seven rankings that make people excited on message boards. So, um, you know, the over under win total for next year is five and a half. And I'm very curious where you would land on that right now. Oh, wow. I have the schedule's tough. I know they got Nebraska and Colorado state and another, maybe tough game. I think right now I would go under my prediction would probably be five and seven, but they've they've got plenty of time to build their class in the portal. So if you're if you're bullish, if you you like them, I would go the over because they're only going to get better between now and in in the start of the twenty three season. Like yeah, they I wonder if that of- if that line will move. But like if you look at Colorado's twenty twenty three schedule, um, you know it's not. It's 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 hard, you know. Yeah. There aren't a lot of what, do they play, games. What about in the league? They play USC, Oregon, Washington. So they open a TCU, and then oh, they yeah. play <laughs> at home against Nebraska. So that's their first two games of the year, yeah. you know. Um, then they have Colorado State, which should be a win. But you know, last year's team beating Colorado State might not have been a, a given. Arizona State, Arizona to open up the the Pac-12 uh, at home against Oregon State. Then on the road at Stanford. It's a tough so, schedule. Well, I mean, their their beginning of their 
Pac-12 conference isn't that tough, right? But like Oregon with, State with, is a for a team Oregon that's suspect State's on the good, line getting, of scrimmage. That's a tough. But, but getting both Arizona schools and Stanford and as three of your true. first four Pac-12 games is really good. And then the next three game, the next four games are USC, Oregon, UCLA, and Utah. Yeah. So tough. like he's gonna have to. And that's I think like, I'd go the under. I think I think the under is probably the play here too. I said the over on Andy's show a few weeks ago, but looking at this now and knowing what we know about their offensive line, I think that would be difficult. And then I also think too that like sometimes when you want to take an over of a season win total, you want the tough stuff in the beginning. That way they can kind of you know ascend and and get better, and then maybe some of those games at the end of the year will be a little bit easier for them because like I I wouldn't want them to have a rough start to the season as they kind of mesh under the new system and then drop a game to a team like Arizona or, or Arizona state and then play games where it doesn't matter how much they've improved. They're going to lose because those teams are just right. more talented and better. You'd probably want the reverse of, you know, get the, the uh, kinks out and, you know, really smooth things over, then go play those teams. So that's a, it's not an easy, schedule and if somehow he gets to seven or eight wins next year i would i'd probably give him an a plus for the for the turnaround like yeah, i don't know I, if that's I, even possible i would be i'd say eight wins would be five and a, five wins seems like a low total for a betting uh purposes because usually teams have two or three games in the non-conference that are just easy um but they don't they, don't. they only have one non-conference game that's against the overmatched opponent right um we're gonna go into the we're gonna three go of those four games by the way uh of the usc oregon ucla utah stretch are on the road we're going to go into numbers, five stars and all that, but in a shocking development on Thursday, I think it was, um, Desmond Ricks, five-star who reclassified from 2024, committed to Alabama over LSU and Florida, just further cementing Alabama's number one class, which was further cemented on Wednesday when they got the two guys from Montgomery, Alabama. Um, five-star safety, Peyton Bowen, the, the, the drama. Can I say something? I got to say something. Of course. Cause Cause you, just, hey, this is a two-person podcast. You have thoughts. No, I, Let's I, hear it. The order of the games has not been released yet. Okay. So okay. I was looking at a schedule, and I thought that was an order. That's not an order. All the points still remain, but yeah. I needed to make sure that I clarified that that's not – they're not actually playing those four teams in a row right now, yeah. which is probably a relief for a Colorado fan. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um Five-star safety Peyton Bowen into the drama by signing with Oklahoma um, and issued a basically an apology on social media just saying he wished he would have handled it better, which was great. I mean, um, you know, he's, he's a 17 or 18-year-old kid. Stuff happens. Kind of apologized to all the coaching staffs. Um, DeAndre Moore, a guy you've written a lot about, we've been tracking his recruitment, um, was a five-star at one point, now a high four-star was committed to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, then did not follow Lincoln Riley to USC, was committed to Louisville for a big portion of the cycle, signed with Texas. That gives Texas three top 100 wide receivers, along with five-star running back Cedric Benson. So some really nice skill to go along with Arch Manning. Yeah, I actually thought that, you know, if you were to look at the winners and losers of the cycle, I can't remember if I put Texas in the winners and losers from signing day, but I think Texas is certainly a winner I think I put him as a winner because they just got Arch, but then when they got DeAndre Moore yes, on you top did. of it, you put him as, like as he was a the the second piece or the highest rated player in the Louisville class, and to get him flipped and to have that much talent coming around the quarterback, I think that right there was the Arch Manning impact. You know, yeah. Um, so w- when you look at uh, the Texas um, ranking in general, and the do, do you think that this is a did you think this class would be better or worse when Arch committed? 25 commitments, number three overall nationally, four star pros- four five-star prospects, and... Average uh, player rating of 92.94, which, doing my quick math, looks one, two, three, maybe four. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah they and then eight top, top 100 five. players. So, that's yeah. like, that's it. Like, I mean, that's a really great class for them. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And we'll go into some more numbers soon. Here's something that I just want to bring up, because you always say, like, especially for schools in the the Northeast, maybe, or the Big Ten country, not Ohio State schools, getting the commitment is nice. Keeping the commitment is more difficult. It's like this that was, Seinfeld episode. It's exactly. Like you wanna, yeah, exactly. You, you can buy your Southwest ticket, but getting on the plane. Yeah, they're just bumping people off who had their yeah. tickets on the yeah. standby. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it's a cold world out there, man. It's tough. So South Carolina flipped in-state quarterback Lenora Sellers from Syracuse. Number 396, good player. Um, 
not the same timeline because this happened like after signing day or right on signing day, but it made me think about Ricky Collins from Ella, from Baton Rouge who was committed yeah. to Purdue. Here's two SEC schools who slow played in-state quarterbacks, and in the end, Ari, guess what? They got them because they're yeah. And SEC apparently, schools. this guy is like a very. I, I was reading a lot about him. He's like a very underrated prospect, and he's, cli- I don't know he's climbed he's up in, the rankings a lot. When he's enrolling, but I, I would be interested in writing about him. And I, I kind of feel like we dropped the ball not writing about him earlier because, you know, I mean, Syracuse getting his commitment out of the South. I mean, like you always talk about, like, how hard is it to get a, a commitment if you're Syracuse? You know, like, and then you go get a player who has risen up the rankings into a top 400 player from South Carolina, you know, in the perfect world of college football, like the one that we had when we did our draft. Um, teams would be able to hold on to the guys that they discovered they got committed and you know they were first to the party on so it's like that just is what what's so hard about um national recruiting for for programs that don't typically do it now uh south carolina certainly feels like they're headed in the right direction as a program and you know it's just kind of like the food chain theory right like everybody is the shark and everybody's the guppy on their own different plane you know like south carolina can get a commitment from a five-star prospect out of georgia and a shark can come bite them at the end but you know when somebody wants somebody in south carolina that isn't a typical powerhouse and you know syracuse had a, a, a great year for them this year um but you're not going to go into a southern state and take a top, you know, 400 player at the quarterback position if the in-state SEC program wants them. Yeah. So, um, and it all, and it also makes the question like, is it worth your time? Like that's the thing. Like we always yes. talk about recruiting as currency or time as currency in recruiting. It's like, like what do you do if you're Dino Babers there? Do you just like go after the guy, get him committed, committed, hope things go well, and then just like hope at the end that nobody notices what you have? Yeah. You know what so, it reminds me of what. It reminds me of people who think that the economy is going to crash because we're printing too much money and are collecting gold right now because they foresee a future where you might want to, you know, exchange gold for goods and services like it's 1800 or even before then. Um, And I always think to myself, well, that seems like a pretty smart idea. Like you're 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 hedging against the crash of the dollar. They are printing an obscene amount of money that's not backed by the, the by the gold. If you want to get back to the gold standard, to have some bars of gold or to have coins in your house or in a safety deposit box uh, makes a lot of sense because you want to make sure that if worst case scenario happens with the American currency that you are uh, in a position to continue to survive. But then on the other hand, it's like Did I turn well, into a different podcast. What? No, but I, I, I'm getting okay. to the point here. <laughs> Just kidding. And then I think to myself, well. Yeah, maybe I should buy some gold. You know, I'm going to go get some gold and, you know, I'll store it in the house. And just if I got gold and then that happened, somebody would take it from me. So you're, you're, you're Dino Babers. Dino Babers got the gold. Yeah. Okay. He has it. Shane Beamer just He saw ahead. He, he thought ahead and all he was doing was collecting gold for the toughest guy on his block. Yep. It happens. Um, That's a good analogy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. So, Lenoris was um, Lenoris Sellers was a year ago in January 22 had a rating of 0.8578, which is the sort of in the range of 1100 nationally. He's now 8.8926, top 400 player. So he has, you know, he has risen up the rankings a lot. Now South Carolina is in charge of their, you know, not in charge. That's not the right way to say. It. They do their own evaluations. I don't know if he Sellers had just a great senior season. Or they were just like, hey, let's see what else is out there. They already have a Dante Reno, I think his name is. They have a kid, a 2024 quarterback. Maybe they just decided they needed one. So, uh, If there was just, only a recruiting reporter that could have written about that. I, I shared his story with you a couple times. But you just you looked did? at – Yeah, you looked at Syracuse and you just scoffed. That's not true. I, it's not true at all. I know. Oh, we, okay. We, I was like, that. Yeah. I wouldn't have done that. I would have written about Syracuse. You know that. Yeah. No, we, we write about everyone. People, people, uh, people already think that we're snobs. You can't perpetuate the thought process. Yeah. No, we definitely, we, we like to cover the uh, entire crowd. In fact, we get criticized sometimes for not like talking about Georgia or Alabama when they get a commitment. But it's like, as you said, like, duh, Alabama got a- Do you, you know, want to dive into Alabama's class in a after, they got, uh, after they got him? Because I think we should you yeah, know, really it, get back to the, the, what is it, the beef and potatoes? What do they say that? I don't the gold the meat, meat and potatoes. potatoes not beef yeah. and potatoes yeah. beef and potatoes is what I prefer but yes yeah. so okay Alabama number one class seven five stars twenty this is their blue chip ratio for those who are not familiar you probably are if you listen to a podcast uh, Bud Elliott over two four seven has this formula blue chip ratio how many of your players are 
a four-star, five-star, thinking you need at least a 50% blue-chip ratio to, to be a national championship roster. Alabama, 27 of their 28 players are blue-chippers. That's I, I'm sure there's been as good or maybe better. I don't remember, but that's fascinating. Last year, Alabama set a record. Even though A&M had the best class of all time, Alabama set a record for highest average player rating in a class, 95.27 in the 2022 cycle. In the 2023 cycle, Alabama got back up to 94.90. And if you go actually look at their roster, I think that like it's some obscene number, like 75 out of the 85 players are blue chip prospects. Yeah, that I mean. Hey, but they didn't make the playoffs, so stars don't matter. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Georgia, solid number two. Uh, Georgia had some potential on signing day. To, it would have taken a lot of things to go their way. Basically, it would have taken more things for not to go Alabama's way, like the two kids from Montgomery, two, Russo, and James yep. Smith to sign with Auburn. Uh, but Georgia's at number two, 23 of 27, blue chip, point, uh, 93.75. And Georgia did get Jordan Hall from Jacksonville. Um, yeah, that was on my notes, too. But you That was the, the – yeah. oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll let you speak. No, it's okay. Give you a break. You're sick. That was my only bullet point that we didn't get to from the previous uh, Jordan Hall defensive lineman, number 73 to Georgia. Um, So really from a blue chip ratio and an average class ranking, um, you know what though? You're Ohio State Buckeyes at number six overall. Stop saying that. I know. (laughs) People think you're serious. I know. I know. I got an email. You got an email? Did you look at it? Somebody has like, what do you think of your Buckeyes? I'm like, why are we doing? Stop. Yeah, it's it's a program that you covered for 10 years. You you have great institutional knowledge of the program. They're one of the best programs in the country, so we're going to talk about them a lot. But Ohio State, yes. only one five-star, but their blue chip ratio, 19 of 20, in their average player rating, despite all the crap that went against them the last month, of 93.57, which is pretty close to Georgia. Um but Georgia also has seven more players. So you have to right. like that. That's the yes. thing that's tough. Yes. Like the numbers can be manipulated in any way that you want to manipulate them. And that's why stats are dangerous sometimes because you can, you, you can, you know, you know, type them yeah. into the internet and say, well, here's why I'm right. But like seven players is 35% of the entire class. Right. So even though they are up there with the player ranking, they also, it's easier to maintain a higher ranking when you have a bunch of, of players at the top of your class and not a bunch at the bottom. Um, and the other thing I'll say too about Ohio State's class that would give me pause is that the two highest rated players in that class, uh, the only two top 50 mm-hmm. players that they have are wide receivers yes. at a position of, of which that they, well, three of their top four players uh, in their class are receivers. And that's the last position that that program needs to to develop. So right, in my right. opinion, from an like, impact would, yeah, from an impact yeah, standpoint. Ohio State is a loser of the signing day. Like, yeah. And that's a hard thing to say because, you know, 95% of programs in the country would saw off their legs to have a top five class. And, like, that's all people – like, that's – most people just – that's where the analysis stops of, like, top five class. Right. How could you possibly criticize them? And it's like, A, because you know who else didn't finish at five? Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> they figured out a way to finish number one and two. Uh, and those are the teams that they're supposed to be competing against. And, and three, you got to look at the roster. You got to look at how the class is made up. And you have to say they went over on every single coin flip uh, player that they could have had on signing. They didn't get any of them. They didn't get Mateo Uyunglele, who chose right. USC. Uh, they Oregon. didn't flip Caleb down or he went to Oregon. Sorry. They didn't flip Caleb downs when people thought they, that he, that could be a possibility. Uh, as we went into signing day, it became less and less likely, but he did go to the Michigan game instead of the iron bowl. So that there was some smoke there. Um, Damon Wilson went to, uh, Georgia. Georgia and it's like the players that they're losing you're, you know, you're not supposed to be losing these players, especially when you have a, a legendary head uh, defensive line coach in Larry Johnson, who has developed uh, a lot of first round talent in that position. So like if yes. I'm an Ohio state fan, uh, you know, Which I'm you thinking, not. you know, this is a solid, a solid class, but this is not the type of class that I'm going to sit here and say, wow, we really exceeded expectations here. This is like, Oh boy, this is, this is not the ending to the 2022 calendar year that I was hoping for. Yes. That very good context there. And I, I, I said it a lot last year too. It's you're not going to turn away five stars. 
uh, five-star wide receivers if you're Ohio State, but at some point, it's like diminishing returns on all these five-star wide receivers. So, you know, you can play three at a time. And it helped. Hey, no doubt it helped this year because uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was hurt a lot, and it helped to have Marvin Harrison. Who yeah, was, I mean, they have great receivers, and it makes right. their games really fun to watch, and because of it, 90% of the teams that they play aren't going to be able to cover them. But I'd rather have too many offensive linemen. Yeah, exactly. Or too exactly. many defensive linemen. I'm going to... Uh, I'll be at the game Friday. It'll be my second, my first Ohio State game since the 1986 kickoff Oh, you're going classic. to the actual yeah, playoff game. I didn't tell you. Yeah, I didn't tell you. So how are you going to edit my story from the first I, game? I'm not. We'll get into it. We'll talk about that later. Are you okay? Annoyed. Yeah. Um, so I was at the 1986 kickoff classic between Ohio State and Alabama in New Jersey. I was, I was fired up. I was... 15 years old so first Ohio State game since then and you were um, a big Alabama fan growing up yes yes I was so it's like an investing uh person when they talk about investing the analysts have to disclose who they uh are invested in yes Mitch has to disclose that he grew up as an Alabama fan yeah 100% indifferent like I grew up an Alabama fan in the 80s and then when they had some decent years but nothing great oh, they, and then when I got to college you were an stopped. Alabama fan before it was cool to be an Alabama exactly fan. exactly they've won I, I I was rooting for them when they won that national title in 92 but wasn't invested now I'm not I mean, I have no. I mean, I just. Well, I mean, I'm like not even sure their team. fans are. I mean, at a yeah. certain point, it becomes boring. You exactly. know what it's like? It's like uh, if you're Elon Musk. <laughs> it's like where are you going with this? Uh, well, I just made a billion dollars. It's like okay. Yeah. I mean, that'd be great. Like if it was your first billion, but like after a while, it's just like you know you keep piling it on, it kind of loses its taste, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to get a million Alabama fans saying you're an idiot. We care about every championship, and I know you do. I know you yeah. do, but it's not as special as it would be if Syracuse won a title. And there's nothing you could say about it, right? And if Lenore Sellers went to Syracuse, they probably would have won a national title. They'd be closer to it. <laughs> now, now they're not. They got a good quarterback. Garrett Schrader's back. I think is a sixth year. That's Hank Schrader's nephew from Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah, just finished. Uh, just finished a Hank uh, a rewatch of Breaking Bad. It's fantastic. We we talked Texas number three class. Blue chip ratio of uh, 15 out of 23. Miami, number four class, 17 of 26 blue chip ratio. Let me go Oklahoma three for, for struggling on the field, did a great job recruiting. They clearly are committed to recruiting. Ari, three five stars, 16 of 25 blue chip ratio, 91.75 average player rating. We talked about Ohio State. This is just great. LSU, Notre Dame finishing seven and eight. Their blue chip ratio is almost identical. Their average player rating is almost identical. So just those two programs, because of the coaches and the coaching moves, are going to be compared to each other. Tennessee, here's an interesting one. Number nine, great class, obviously. One five-star Nico. The lowest blue chip ratio of any top 15 team, 13 of 25. No, no, that's the second lowest of any um, top 15 team. Average player rating of 90.72. And then Clemson rounds out the top 10. 19 of 26, the blue chip ratio. So uh, then Oregon 11, Florida 12, A&M 13, Penn State 14, USC 15. Three things I want to point out that I want to get your thoughts there. Yes, there's so for, much. There's so yeah. much there. Yeah, For Oregon, for for how much smoke, how much National Signing Day week pub they got, and for good reasons. Like if you just didn't know, you probably would have thought Oregon signed a top five class. A lot of that was not getting Bowen at the end. To what A and M, you talked a lot about them. Their class from a number standpoint. Well, there was a was, moment in time that we thought Oregon was going to sign four five star prospects. Yes, like when things were rolling there, we thought they were going to get Bowen, and then didn't we think there was a shot that they were going to get? Um, Who's the fifth? Who's the fourth? There was a. I don't remember who the. Uh, uh, I'm blanking. Keep talking. Okay. I don't remember his name. And then A and M rally, not rallies. They just not a big class numbers wise. Only signed 18 players, but you know, still for where they were ranked, they were in the 40s a couple of weeks ago. And then USC at 15, a weird class because they have three five stars who've been committed for a year, but their blue chip ratio is only 10 of 20. I don't, David Hicks. I'm an idiot. Okay, oh, yeah, yes, David Hicks. There, you there, go. there was some. There was some smoke that David Hicks might yes. be. Flipping somewhere, right? And Oregon was it, in the mix there. Yeah. And it, so, so USC, I, I think it's a disappointment in, in year one under Lincoln Riley, especially with the season they had. A lot of that we've talked about. A lot of that is the lack of big men uh, on the West Coast. See what they do this year. So, thoughts? Or I would not. A&M, if you would have USC. told me at the end of the year, or at the end of the coaching carousel last year, that USC would end up with the worst rated class 
or ranked class at the end of the first full cycle, I would have keeled over. Especially like it's 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 difficult to have three five stars committed in a class in January of a year, and then eleven months later to sign a top fifteen class. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I was it three. Yeah, it's uh, yeah branch. branch yeah, Malachi committed. Nelson, Makai yeah. Lemon, and yeah, yeah, and then they didn't get another five star prospect. Didn't for the get Mateo. Yeah. Now they could get yeah. Deuce Robinson. They could get Deuce Robinson. I think that that's a distinct. I mean, that's the favorite, right? So, you know, we, we can't, and I don't know, we'll have to go onto the two, four, seven class calculator and try to see where that would, where that would wind up. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it is top heavy and what it reminds me of is a enhanced version of what he recruited to Oklahoma. Yes. Um, you got skill they- position players kind of, you know, winning the day there, the, the top three players in their class who were all five-star prospects are offensive players. Um, and you have a lot to left to be desired on the offensive and defensive lines. Um, and it'll be exciting and we'll get to watch, uh, Malachi Nelson be uh, a Heisman finalist in three years, but whether or not they're a team that's good enough to make the playoff or win a playoff game, which is the ultimate goal, um, remains to be seen. Now, if you would have said to USC fans, Hey, we're just going to turn into the new Oklahoma where we're going to run, uh, run the show in our conference. We're going to make the playoff, you know, more times than we're not, but they're not going to win any playoff games. They might've taken that deal with where they were with the clay Helton era. Um, but we're going to be analyzing Lincoln Riley through the lens of, can he win a playoff game or a national championship? And this class that he just signed is not going to get that done. So the, the real question here, I guess, and it's, it's going to pertain to the rest of the first year coaches as we d- discuss them, Mitch is, um, how much of a leash do you get as a first year coach before you start to really criticize them? Like, I'm very curious what you think of Florida's class, you know, Florida's class finishes number 12 overall, and they signed uh, four top 100 players, which I think might be more than any, any total of top hundred players that Dan Mullen ever signed, but still wasn't really uh, where Florida wants to be. Like, is that a passing grade for you? Yeah, um, I want to go back to USC. Obviously, you're talking about from a recruiting standpoint because we yeah we, recruiting, we have recruiting. to say you know he came one injury probably away from making the college football playoff. You you can make a uh, if Caleb Williams doesn't get hurt there, they've got a chance to make the college football playoff. Uh, this is probably where I expected Florida's class to be. Um, they have a very good blue chip ratio, 18 of 20 commitments, uh, no five stars. Um, thought they were Yikes. good. Yikes! Yeah, uh, just when you when you're you know why against, you know why what Billy Napier was hired to do right to 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 compete with Georgia and Alabama to get players that Georgia and Alabama want right now here's the problem. So I don't care about how many four stars are in their class. Yeah, here, here's the problem, and there's a lot of other factors that go into recruiting. We know it's not all performance based. They're recruiting now off of a six and seven season. With, kind of a ho-hum season. You know, they had a great win over Utah in, in the opener, but they lost to their rivals. They lost at Vanderbilt. I know they had a lot of opt-outs. And they got run off the field in Vegas by Oregon State. They don't have the momentum that some of these other first-year coaches have. They you know, they have out-recruited Florida State. We've talked about it, but they don't have the momentum of on-field performance that Florida State has. So that would be my concern if I'm a Florida fan. In addition to your point, it's like you don't beat Alabama and Georgia by signing bunch of four stars yeah but like also too it's like when do you start to feel comfortable criticizing that person well it's based like it's it's a combined recruiting and performance lincoln riley you can criticize his recruiting you thought he it would be better but you can't criticize the performance you can do both if you're not satisfied with this florida class as a florida fan or florida administrator you can criticize the class and the performance right so right yeah well we'll see um and that's the other thing too. Can I can I uh, steer the ship to another first year coach? Steer, or do baby. you want to be the coast? And no, I want you. I want about it. I, I want you to uh, take take the take the wheel, Captain Ari. Where where are we with how we view? Because like I'm gonna I'm using this podcast as a as a brainstorming for writing final thoughts. Okay, which I'm gonna try to have finished by uh, tomorrow evening. And I'm wondering where you put Notre Dame on the success failure list. I put them as a signing day failures, but how do you contextualize what Marcus Freeman put together after 
after a tough ending there. I feel like Notre Dame played a, it was like if it was a basketball game, they had a 20 point lead all season and then ended up winning by one point at the buzzer. Like, still a good win, a good performance for a first year, but it just could have been so much better. Um, so if I, if I hadn't known, if I just woke up and looked at the recruiting rankings, I'd say, okay, top 10 class, 92.10 player, the, the, their average player rating was better than LSU's. Uh, it was better than Oklahoma's, a few spots ahead of them. Their blue chip ratio of, of, of 20 of 24 is good, but it just we know what they say came so close to getting and being. Now, they, they signed Sam Hartman to quarterback that team next year. We've, we're looking at the entire influx of talent. You, you grade differently, but from a right. pure recruiting standpoint, I give them a solid B+. Yeah, B plus. And I felt like B plus is like a really smart person who sits in the front row in high school who raises their hand all the time and answers all the questions in class and is just kicking ass with their homework or whatever. And then you get to the final exam and then you get a B plus. It's like, okay, well, most of the class would probably want the B plus. You know, B plus is good, but the teacher's pet wants an A yeah. or an A plus. And I look at uh, Notre Dame's class. And there's one thing that stands out to me if you just look at the rankings in general, and I'm sure you'll be able to see it too, but it is the only team in the top 10 nationally that does not have a five-star prospect yes. committed. And they had two commit or two, a five-star prospect signed and they had two committed um, for a large portion, one of which, you know, Bowen for a large portion of it. Um, and the thing that stinks for Notre Dame more than anything too, is that it seems like they finished third for Bowen. When it was yep. all said and done, because he picked Oregon, decommitted uh, the next day and signed with Oklahoma. So it was a decommitment uh, or a commitment, a decommitment and another commitment in a 24 hour period, basically for Bowen and Notre Dame was nowhere to be found in any of that. Yeah. For Notre Dame fans out there, I'm sure you do read Pete Sampson anyway, but Pete had a great signing day recap of the whole, you know, a lot more detail than we've just provided of the class. But uh, and then, you know, they lost. I know they rebounded. They have two running backs. Um Dylan Edwards, you know, was a four-star, really good running back who ended up at Colorado. Yeah, their entire was, their entire running back uh, room is coming back next year, though. I think. Yes, yeah. So it's not a position of weakness, and that was sort of bad luck there that Dylan Edwards just happened to have a prior relationship with 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 yeah. uh, Dion. That he, that probably. Uh, I don't think that not. that decommitment's the one that's going to be keeping Marcus Freeman up at night. I think it's the the Bowen one that will. Yeah, and uh, to, to look at your Slack, I have a sort of a Notre Dame. Recruiting column idea for you. We can talk about afterwards. Um, I, I just to, saw that as we were starting this, and I haven't read it yet, but I will. Okay, I need to. Ex- I need to explain it some more. Some. I some have more no nuance. phone to get notified. So yeah, please yeah, okay. forgive me. I, I. That's why I didn't press. That's why I did not. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's uh, unsign five stars. Cormani McLean, number two. We think it's uh-huh. Miami or Colorado. Yeah. Nicholas Harbor, number sixteen. Um, athlete from DC, I think Maryland's looking pretty good there, but South Carolina, but Michigan. Maryland's MO has always been get him in the early signing period. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's bad news for Maryland that he took his time. Cause he, he had been going to Maryland quite a bit going into the yeah. early signing period and did not sign. So but I think that was a plan all along. Like, I don't think it might've just... been the plan. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, usually Maryland makes their big splash on signing day. Now with an extra two and a half months to go or another two months to go, can you can you maintain that momentum even if that was the plan? I'm, I'm saying like it's just not it's a little bit further along the line, and anytime you expand the the uh, recruiting battle into uh, you know January and February, I think it's just going to be harder to get guys. Yes, duly noted. Um, and then hold on a second, or I keep talking. Oh no, I thought I was going to sneeze. Oh, you're going to sneeze? Loudly. Yeah, I, I two good sneezes there. So uh, I'm limping to the finish line here. A couple other. Uh, four other top 100 players did not sign. Roderick Pleasant, quarterback from California, number 86. Looks like it's USC, Oregon, possibly UCLA. He's visited UCLA recently. What a great job that would be if UCLA. If UCLA actually got two top 100 players in the class, Ari, what, what, what are we going to do? I don't know. I mean, I'll just light our hair on fire and just run yeah. around and scream. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, hell, they got Dante Moore, man. That's like uh, – in, in you're sick. It sounded like quarterback. Roderick Pleasant is a corner. Quarter, quarter, yes. They they don't corner. Want He's yeah. a cornerback. He plays defense. Whenever yes, you he hear a, uh, a slight pause, it's Mitch hitting mute and sneezing. There, I did it. He did All it right. again. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, Ari. Um, number one fourteen, Walker Lyons, a tight end from California. He's a real interesting one. 
decommit from Stanford. The new Stanford coach, Troy Taylor, used to be at Folsom High School in California where Walker Lions played. But Utah, he's visited Utah. This guy just looks and sounds he just he's gonna end up at Utah or Stanford, a big tight end, and he's gonna have a great career just because yeah. he's, a, he's a tight end going to Stanford or Utah. Uh Jelani McDonald, wide receiver from Texas, number one thirty. Adding another wide receiver to Texas' class would be would be nice. Texas or Oklahoma State. And then number one fifteen, Mikhail Harrison Pilot, athlete from Texas, uh TCU. He's visited Cal, Houston, he's been to Houston a lot. I talked to Sam Cott about him. Uh uh, I think Houston's in the picture there, but he did not sign. So that's seven, only seven top 150 guys have not signed. I, I don't know what the expectation was, and I have to look at last year. That seems like a pretty low number. Yeah, it is. Um, but at least it gives us some uh, pointed things to follow as we head into February. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and again, three five stars all time. But it's just a nice reminder, too, of just like this is the signing period now. Yes, yes. Um, so... And those are not that like there's anything wrong with a number thirty ranked five star, but the, the, the Deuce Robinson at number seventeen. We've got three of the top seventeen players who have not signed, so clearly an impact, guys. Right. Um, since I'm about to totally lose it here, maybe we'll just go to trivia. And then, yeah, uh, let's go to thing. trivia. Yeah, uh, and also too, just you know, check back in the athletic, uh, you know, at some point in the next few days uh, or or the next week at the very least, because we might change our minds about when to run it now that I realize that the playoff games are happening at that same time, yeah. but we're going to have a final thoughts piece that, that um, covers more teams and has more thoughts uh, running about the recruiting class at some point in the next week. Yeah. And our staff has done a great job with recruiting coverage this month. Not just Yeah. A lot Ari. of people are really getting into it. Yeah. And, and, and people are reading it. That's why we do it. You know, Grace Raider, um, uh, Antonio Morales did a really good Pac-12 recruiting thoughts piece. Uh, Manny yep. Navarro and Grace are en route right now to Orlando for the Under Armour camp, which is more of a, the signees, but still going to talk to some kids there. So uh, just keep checking out The Athletic for signing day or just recruiting coverage. We really, really enjoy it. Um, all right. Pretty basic question here. How many teams that signed a top 25 class in 23 so far, rankings aren't finalized, did not qualify for a bowl game this year? How many and who are they? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is Miami in a bowl game? They're not. Five and seven. Okay. Number four. Uh, is A&M in a bowl game? They are not. Number 13, five and seven. Is the other two who, are uh, Auburn. The, Auburn, five and seven, I believe. Number 20. Arkansas is playing as we record this. Yeah. Um, if you would have you just top hit, 30? Quick, quick sidebar. Last Did you say year, top twenty five or top thirty? Top twenty five. Last year, Arkansas. Remember when they when they beat Texas? They go down to Georgia. They're top ten. Everyone's in love with Arkansas. If you would have said a year and a half from now, they'd be playing Kansas in a bowl game. You know, you think yeah. maybe Kansas is in the playoff? Yeah, Kansas would be in the playoff. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last one. I don't know. Uh, it's I'm trying to, it's team it number twenty five, so it's you know you're not expected to know they had signed a top twenty five class, but it's a program that you've written a lot about, and uh, I'm going to take a stab at it. Okay, twenty five. Is it Michigan State? It's Michigan State. Boom. I was just up in the land of Sparty. Yeah, that's another one too. It's freaking. We got to talk about Is Tuck coming or what? He's he's not yet. He's signing better players, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, from... He's just taking the long route. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. You wrote about it, Ari. I think there's a, you know... Well, I was hoping that they would have a better... Could be a blessing in disguise. I was hoping that there would be... I don't know. The the class has only 15 signees, and I do wonder, and I have a theory about this, if you want to end the podcast on a Sure, theory. go ahead. I'm, I'm, I've, I've recovered a little bit. Did Michigan State spend so much time on the Samson Okanlolas of the class that they didn't do a good enough chime getting the regular blue chip players that they usually sign and thus that's, weren't able to fill out their class? That's part of my idea that's in Slack. You can, you can, you okay. can, you can fold that Michigan State into it as well. Um, okay, well then that's a good idea for for uh yeah or a good push on the butt to go read that. Yes, push your butt to write a, to go read my because Slack like it's message. like it's a it's a better class than it's been, but they only yes. signed fifteen players. They weren't able to fill out their class. Now is that on purpose? 
like maybe they just want more transfers, but it's it's they have eleven know. transfers. Yeah, so that's twenty six so newcomers so far. And we, one thing to keep in mind with transfers, if you're just looking across the landscape, we're not at close to done. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of guys entering yeah. the portal after spring. But I, I would be I would be concerned if I were a Michigan State fan about the ten year plan if that is the plan. Yes. I wouldn't want that to be my – I wouldn't want to be a plan of sign half of a class every year and then hope for the best in the portal. And, and, and the I think coach, the best teams in the country are the ones who use the portal as a luxury item Yes, uh, or fill up holes when they're necessary, not relying on them on a given year to account for half of the new players on their roster. Right. I think this Notre, if Notre Dame gets Sam Hartman, that's a perfect example too. They're, 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 Didn't that, did that happen or not? No, that's just the rumor. That's the rumor. Okay. I thought I he, saw that it happened. He's in the so. portal. He's in the portal. Well, I know he's in the portal, but I thought I saw that he committed to Notre Dame. No, but. I think he's going to take a week um, and uh, and decide. So I asked my son, Gabe, who obviously goes to Wake Forest, like, you're not mad at him. Like, Gabe's only been a Wake Forest fan for like three months, so he's not as emotionally invested at, like in Tim Hartman's career. It's like, no, it's like had a, had a great career at, at Wake Forest, probably five years at the school. If you can go somewhere and earn some money, and, and I, I've seen some, you know, Wake Forest's offense is, is great. They're very successful, but the slow mesh, like – Maybe he plays more of a drop back uh, pro style and can kind of show off his skills. I think he's really good. I've you know watched him a lot. Um, yeah, but, it would be interesting to see, like if Sam Hartman were on Notre Dame's team this year, like how much better might they have been? A lot better, I think. Good quarterback. So yeah, yeah, and you got to take that into account when we're when we're breaking the stuff down. But you know, I, I, I appreciate you getting through the show, man. I, it's, I, a, it's, it's a it's a brave effort on your part and. Uh, ever Thanks, since buddy. I started looking at your face and hearing your voice, I feel worse. So, yeah, yeah. Can I catch so, a cold through a microphone? I, I don't think so. And I slept okay. in the hotel for five nights with my family, and my Gabe was like had a cold and was hacking the entire time. Slept in a bed with him, and like it took me to the fifth night to to catch his cold. So, um, it, it is. It happens. You know, Great, good thing about a cold, Ari. It gets better every day. So I'll be better tomorrow. Yeah, It'll be better the next. Yeah, day. just get better every day. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the latest edition of Stars Matter. Uh, so much information. It's very hard to whittle it down to an hour, but uh, we did our best and, you know, give us a mulligan here. Uh, you know, we're both kind of, you know, working with injuries and, you know, we'll be in touch uh, next week and, you know, into the new cycle. And of course, you can count on much more analysis on the 2021 cycle as we move forward, both in written 2021 form, or 2023. Three. Two. 2023 cycle. 2023 we just cycle. Signed, yes. Wow. That was a great outro. You're smooth. Dude, you're, honestly, honestly, yeah. dude, like it is insane to me that it's already the 24 cycle. I know. Like I know. it is like these years are just going by. Uh, you get old. So you're getting old. All right, guys. You know this isn't. Uh, we're not at our best right now, but we <laughs> gave it our we gave it our all. Thank you so much. We'll hit you next week. Bye.